It's good to see you all here today. Welcome those of you watching us online. It's good to have you. And maybe tell us where you're at. And, and uh, it's good to see you. It's been, a, it's been a great week. And I appreciate Pastor Nick preaching last week. I, I, uh, Theo and I were headed to California, so we watched it on the road. And uh, he said he was the, what did he say? He was the second string or third string or last resort. I don't know what, I can't remember exactly what he said, but clearly that's not true. He's just so busy for him to speak on a Sunday. It's like an extra lot of work. So I just appreciate him speaking. And, and I love Barbara Kistner's story. And if you haven't got a chance to talk to her, but uh, it's an amazing, amazing story. I want to thank you all, too, for uh, praying for me. As you know, my father passed away two years ago, right as COVID hit. So we, uh, we had his uh, memorial service all planned, and uh, the church had to cancel the night before. So we weren't able to do his service for the last two years because California's had so many more shutdowns and lockdowns than we have. So anyway, we were able to do his service on Tuesday, last Tuesday. It was wonderful. I appreciate uh, Pastor Bronner and the church it's actually my home church. I was on staff there as a youth pastor in my first ministry position, and I love its home. So it's great to be home and great to be with family and friends. And, and then we, my dad was served 26 years in the Navy and retired from the Navy, so we got to do his, his uh, uh, honors, his military honors at the Federal Cemetery there in uh, Miramar, which was kind of cool because we did, we did the service. You know, they did the, the rifle uh, shots and then... You know, they folded the flag, went through all that, and then it was just so cool. Right then, two F-18s flew by, um, you know, and so I was joking, like, oh, we got to fly by. That's awesome. But um, <laughs> God is good that way. And then this happened, too, where um, we wanted to see where his, where his marker would be placed, and so they said, well, you can actually go out there right now, and they'll place his remains right then. So we got to experience all of that, and then another flyby. <laughs> It was just, it was cool. Uh, God is good. And, and uh, it was good closure for my family and for my mom. And, uh, you know, keep her in prayer. It's probably going to be a tough week because, you know, we have all this family and then we all leave. And uh, so we just keep praying for her. And I appreciate that. A um, couple other things. You know, it's a busy week. Did you catch all the things happening this week? Did you catch what's happening Wednesday? Annual business meeting. Very good. And then uh, Thursday, we are hosting here the Light for the Lost uh, Banquet. And that is a great banquet. If you've never been to one of those, the food is amazing. $10. I encourage you to come. I also could use some volunteers if you want to help in the kitchen and get all that set up. Let me know. And then Saturday, we're going to do a work day. We, we usually try to fit something in. It's been hard to find a good Saturday for that. But if you have some time Saturday, we've got a, just a lot of little things to do. You know, window washing, cleaning, that kind of thing. So we'd love to have you help. So, man, this series has been fun, hasn't it? Hasn't it been great just seeing all the different... Um, all the different people sharing their stories, and it's been so encouraging and challenging at the same time. And something I want to remind you of is the fact that we cover these things, and um, it, I think in a lot of cases the the topic is is deep in our hearts, and it may take a while for you to think this through and respond. And I get that, and I understand that. You know, we started off talking about marriage, and uh, most of us realize that marriages take work and it takes time. And things don't change overnight. It takes people being committed to each other and committed to change and working on each other. And those things take time. So I don't want anybody to feel like any of these topics that we talk about that we, we think it's overnight change. It's not. But I also want to encourage you to do this. I want to encourage you to take an extra step. And today we are talking about healing today. I know I'm kind of giving it away, but that's okay. And um, I want to encourage you. Maybe you've 
never come to the altar for prayer before, we want to pray with you. There's something powerful. It's not that this is a magical place, but what it is, it's a, it's a place where we come and we focus and we say, God, I'm meeting you here. Now, of course, we know he's not just here. He's everywhere. But the, there's a difference in coming together and having somebody lay hands on you and pray and stand with you in prayer. There's power in that. That is powerful. So I want to encourage you. Maybe, maybe for you, it's um, a lot to think about walking down this far. And um, I don't know, I've, I've, I've sat where you're sitting before. And I've thought, oh, what do people think of me if I get up and go down for prayer? And you know what? None of that matters. Honestly, what matters is what God's going to do in you and for you and through you. So I want to encourage you to, to maybe be open to that today where you haven't been in the past. So today, let's take a look at this video. Hello, my name's Pam, and this is my Jesus story. It started on Mother's Day, 2007. In 2007, my oldest son, um, my oldest son's wife, left him and his little girl. Um, uh, my granddaughter was one at the time. And it just, it just tore our world apart. He was a police officer at the time, and so he had a really hectic schedule. Um, so I stepped in being Emma's mom. Emma was so broken by that that um, she had severe detachment disorder. She couldn't look a stranger in the eye. I mean, she cried if you walked into a room of people she didn't know. Um, and so I just tried to, you know, tried to take up that role of helping out. Cody worked all kinds of late hours. So Emma stayed with me a lot. And um, so during that time, I just started to physically decline. Well, then by three years in, Cody had met Renee had met my daughter-in-law, uh, the woman that we had prayed for. She was, she was an amazing wife and mother, and uh, I was no longer needed in that role for Emma. Um, but by that time, I was in daily pain, so much pain and so much fatigue that I was to the point I couldn't get out of bed. I had started trying to see doctors, trying to figure out what was wrong. Finally, after I don't know how many years of different doctors. I was finally diagnosed with fibromyalgia. I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. The doctor said, here's a pamphlet. <laughs> Go home. There's not really anything you can do. You know, so I had gone from a, this busy, active life of, you know, ministry, mom, friends, family, you know, the photography business and our other business to I was in bed all the time. I was in so much pain I couldn't get out of bed. I had, um, I had to get a mobility scooter. I couldn't, I couldn't walk without pain from the car to the grocery store. My husband took over all of the daily activities like that. He did the laundry, he did everything. All I could do was make a weekly appointment to the doctor and um, I couldn't go to church anymore because um, it was just too painful. I couldn't focus. I couldn't concentrate to read. Um, I couldn't hold my Bible because I didn't have that much strength. One of the hardest moments was when my oldest grandson was born. And I couldn't hold him but for just a few minutes because it was so painful. You know, I'd wanted to be the grandma that did everything. I was going to be there for everything. That's what I, you know, did for Emma. And, uh, 
Here I couldn't even hold him. Well, throughout this time, you know, I, I believe in healing. I was part of a healing ministry. We traveled around to different churches, you know, and um, in this healing ministry, we saw people healed. We saw cancer healed. We knew God healed. And I had my family and other people close to me, they're like, why don't you go to this special healing service? And I'm like, no, God's telling me it's not time. And, you know, life had pretty much just stopped. Uh, but there was one thing that I still always wanted to be there for my kids and grandkids for the important things. And on Mother's Day 2014, my granddaughter, Emma, the one who had been so broken in the beginning, was going to be in um, a mother, special Mother's Day service at Crown Point Church. So I had to be there. As I was sitting in that service, I was in so much pain. And I thought, I just can't sit here. And for whatever reason, <laughs> um, Cody was sitting behind me and put his hand on me. And I don't know if he prayed. I'm assuming he did. But I just had enough peace to sit there. And I really couldn't tell you what, um, you know, what, what was being said at that time. I couldn't concentrate. But then all of a sudden, I heard, and it was Christy, Pastor Newby's daughter, who was preaching that day. And uh, I heard her say, we've been seeing all kinds of healings. We've seen MS healed. And in that moment, I heard God say, it's time. I don't know what else she said. <laughs> um, I just knew I wanted it to be done. I wanted her to be done so that I could go forward because I knew today was, that day was my day. And as soon as the service was ending and she had an altar call, I was down that aisle. And as soon as I stepped into that aisle, I felt like an electricity going through my body. I mean, I can't even explain what that was. It was just like, God was reworking things there. And when I got down, when I got down front, um, Pastor Newby prayed for me. I didn't tell him what had happened. I didn't tell him what was wrong. But what he prayed was exactly about every symptom and every, every thing that was going on in my body. And I stepped away from that, from that moment healed. My illness started on Mother's Day 2007. My healing came Mother's Day 2014. Seven years to the day. It was time. So now I've gone from not being able to walk from the car into a store to hiking mountains and crossing streams and um, with no pain and no, um, just complete restoration. I'm Pam, and this is my Jesus story. Isn't that amazing? Oh, that's amazing. I, we celebrate that story. That's incredible. I'm curious, how many in here have you experienced physical healing? Raise your hand if you have. I want you to look around for a minute. Look around real quick. See those hands? That's real. 
God is heals. He heals. It's amazing. How many of you have experienced maybe other kinds of healing that are is significant? Maybe an emotional situation you feel like you've been healed from. There's so many things God does in our lives. I feel like um, a lot of times we forget, not forget, but maybe we don't realize. Or it's, not on the, it's not right in front of us all the time that God does this all the time. He heals. I'm curious how many of you have faith to be healed today. I don't know. Watching that, it, it, it increases my faith even more. And every time I hear somebody's story about healing, I get excited about it. And like, yes, he does. He heals. Do you have faith for that today? I'm going to ask you this. Don't raise your hand yet, but I'm curious how many of you are in need today. Even as Pastor Jeremy did our welcome and he mentioned that we're going to have prayer, I'm curious. Don't raise your hand, but I'm just curious. How many of you are sitting here and you're in need? You've been wondering, God, is today the day? Because he heals. He does this. He does this. He heals. He works. I think about this and I, I wonder sometimes because... I, I know it's not just me, but a lot of times I have faith for other people to be healed. And then I, it's not that I don't have faith for me. It's just I put my needs second a lot of times, at least for the healing part. And I have a lot of faith for you. Anybody else like that? It's very easy for me to pray for someone else and believe God is going to work a miracle. And then when it comes sometimes to me, it's not that I don't believe. It's just I don't step out and ask for that for me. I'm going to ask you to do something different today, and if that's a need you have, for you to step out for you, not just for other people. I certainly want you to pray for others today, but I want you to think about that for you. I have no doubt God heals. None. There's, I've seen it so many times, so many times. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because I know he's good. How many of you would say he's good? But here's what we do. And we all do this, so don't feel guilty about this. I'm just saying what is. A lot of times, though, we start to judge or, or, or maybe doubt his goodness based on what we are experiencing in our lives. Because maybe we haven't seen him do what we want, when we want, or how we want, or on our timetable. So then we start to wonder. And, and, and you wouldn't say it out loud, maybe, because you know that'd be wrong. But inside, we're not as sure of his goodness. Well, I'm sure he's good for you. Let me say it that way. But then you start to wonder, God, how come you haven't done this? I've been praying for this. There's this thing going on. Do you believe he's good? Do you believe it? You know what's sad is in the garden, that's one of the main things that the enemy got Eve to doubt. It was God's goodness. Was he really good? And once, once you start to doubt that, it becomes difficult to believe in his goodness. Here's the thing, we judge him, we, we judge God whether or not he does, again, what we want, when we want. Could there be good that God could bring out of suffering? Have you thought about this before? I mean, why doesn't heal everything? Why isn't it more like magic or rubbing on a lamp and saying, God, do this thing for me? If I pray it a certain way and stand on one foot, and why wouldn't God do it right away? Is it possible that... He could have reasons for us walking through difficult times. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but I remember when our daughter Grace was learning to walk. She was an early walker, which, you know, as a young parent, you naively think, oh, my kid is so smart, and like it has anything to do with me. And in the end, when they walk that early, they fall a lot, is what happens. I mean, she was crawling out of that crib. We'd think, how in the world are you getting out of there? You can't even walk. And when they walk... 
Wouldn't you, every parent feels this. You're watching them and they teeter. You know how they do. And then they get going and they're going too fast. And you, you want with your whole heart as a loving parent to, to catch them and keep them from falling. But what if you do that? They'll never walk. They'll never gain the strength. If you, if you were to just help them at every moment and, and walk for them. And <laughs> I have a friend. This is true. It's really funny because we, we saw him and he was just a baby toddler. And I'm like, why does your kid walk around like this all the time? And they're like, well, because we're always walking them, holding their hands up. And they just do that now. <laughs> I'm like, you broke your kid. What if there's things that you cannot learn and grow into if you didn't have to walk through some level of suffering at some point? I know that's hard to even think about because I think part of us, we start to think God is a good God and good means I get everything I want when I want and life's easy peasy. And yet, that's not real and that's not the world. The fact is there's things that you learn that you could never learn any other way. Think about the perseverance you learn. I mean, think of it in terms like this. Maybe this makes more sense if, if you've played sports or been in the military. There's a reason they train hard. It's not just to be mean. It's not just to make them suffer. It's the, it's the fact that when they actually get into the playing field or on the, on, in, in the battlefield, they need to know their limits. They need to know how far they can go. And you would never reach those if someone wasn't pushing you and putting you through training that gets you to the point where you can reach. You wouldn't even know what you're capable of. There's, there's something about life, and, and you've seen this. I mean, let me give you another example that's really unspiritual. How many of you know somebody who had been given something? Maybe they've been given a car, for instance, and then they don't appreciate it or take care of it. They don't have the value that's there that had it been if they would have worked hard and bought it, and it's theirs, and they know what it costs, and they're putting the fuel in, and they're paying for the insurance, and changes everything. It's the same with our lives. I don't know about you, but... I've said this before. I mean, I don't really trust people that don't walk with a limp. You know what I mean by that? If your life has been perfect and easy and you've never had a struggle, are you really even alive? I mean, do you have any depth to your soul and nature? Do you really get what life is about? Think about the perspective that you only learn through going through difficulty. I mean, you, you can't really relate to a lot of things in life because it's been so easy. I mean, you look at some of the vapid shallow things you see people on TV and you think, wow, that's their whole life? They're worried about they got their Starbucks order wrong? Preach. <laughs> Did you get your order wrong today? Preach. I, you know, I look at it like this. I, the more you've been through and, and worked through, the more you not only understand, but you can, you can be then a wounded healer and care about people in a in a depth that's different than anything else in life because you've been there. You've walked through it. You know what they've been through. You know the depths of pain. And then you also know how good it is to fight through and achieve and to win something, to be something. You know, I, I get the whole giving trophies out to everybody, but there's difference when you earned it. It's just different. The depth of character, the perseverance, the courage, that you only learn when you're tested in life and walk through. It's tough. At my dad's service, I put together a slideshow of pictures going back you know, to when he was a little kid and then going through his life and in the Navy and then with us, our kids. And I haven't talked a lot about this, but I have a sister 10 years younger than me that passed away 14 years ago. 
And she was in a bunch of those pictures. So not only I found that we as a family were mourning my dad, but we ended up mourning my sister also. And we were talking about that a lot. I, I was thinking about how, as a kid, I remember when my mom was pregnant with her. And uh, I was 10 when she was born. So I, I remember this, that both my mom and I were sick one day. And uh, we went to the doctor. We were pretty sick. I don't remember all the details of, of all that. <laughs> kind of gets foggy with age, but... But I did talk to my mom about it to help us remember this. But I do remember at the doctor, the doctor being super concerned, not about me and not really about my mom, but about the baby because my mom was pregnant. And what it was was German measles rubella. And what he said is that um, you guys are going to be fine, but the baby's probably going to be very deformed. And, you know, he suggested that she might terminate that pregnancy. And I remember my mom, even then, she started crying, of course, and I didn't really understand it. And on the way from the doctor, she explained. And, and I said, we're not going to do that, right? And she goes, no, no, we're going to trust God. And I remember that was a Wednesday night or Wednesday. And I remember we went to church that night and we came to the church. And I remember her telling, you know, as a kid, you're watching all this go down and you don't have all that adult perspective. And I remember people looking super concerned. And for me, I was thinking, well, everything's going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. She's going to be fine. And I remember them praying over us. And um, we went back to the doctor, and we didn't have rubella. We had it. We didn't have it. Now, look, I, I know it, it was one of those healings where, like, well, I was barely even sick, and now I'm not sick. And, but the bigger thing was my sister. Then I was talking with my mom about this because uh, she, <laughs> I think I've mentioned this before, but our family, we had this tradition on Sundays. I don't know if anybody does this anymore, but we did it literally every Sunday. Uh, where my, my dad usually would throw together a roast and put, put the potatoes and carrots. And she did this for Theo and I, so that's what made me think of all this because it was just a tradition in my family. And then they put it in the oven and set the timer. Does anybody else do this? So by the time we got home from church, it was done. So that's what we did. At this point, Christine was just barely walking, a little toddler. And I uh, remember we got home that day, and um, just like every other day, and everybody goes to change their clothes, and then we hear this screaming. I mean, like... You know the scream, right, as a parent? I heard that scream one time since then. It's when Theo broke his arm. He literally broke his wrist where it was hinged like that. I remember that scream. If you've experienced that as a parent, you know the scream. But I remember running into the kitchen, and what had happened is my dad had set the roast, like he did every Sunday, on top of the stove to cool. And that little toddler, you know how they are, she just went up and grabbed that thing and pulled it onto herself. So she is squirming on her back, and... Uh, Remember, we got down and we pulled her shirt open and her skin was just bubbled and, and it was uh, red and inflamed. She was scalded and just screaming like, and we laid hands on her and prayed. We didn't even think about it. It's not like we like, what are we going to do? We just prayed for her. And I'm t- 12, 10, 11, I don't know. And we watched that skin just right to, right to, yeah, I know, it's amazing. So here's what I'm saying. I know he heals. But I know there's people in here, and I know, I know where you're at, because you're like, okay, I need a healing now. Or what about me? Or like, my son had this vestibular problem with his eyes. And yes, he's better now, but we kept praying, God, do, this, do what you did for Christine right then. I know that. And when I stood at her bedside when she passed away 14 years ago, God... You healed then, what's going on now? And I don't know. I only say that to say this. 
That doesn't change the fact he heals. I don't know why sometimes he waits or doesn't or why Pam's story took seven years. I don't know that. But I know he heals. And I know he's good. And that'll never change. That, that in me will never change because I've seen it over and over and over. And we've seen people healed in this church over and over and over. And we keep praying. Wendy Watson passed away this week. And uh, many of you know her, her and Charlie. They moved, um, they moved a ways away a couple years ago. Her mom, Roberta, passed away a few years ago. And we were praying for Wendy. And I talked to her, on the, I talked to her about, oh, it's been about a month ago. And she just said, Pastor Dennis, I'm, I'm ready. She had uh, pancreatic cancer. And um, I said, Wendy, well, we're going to keep praying. She goes, no, keep, keep praying, pray. But I just feel peace. I don't know. It's, it's weird. I've talked to people who've been in the middle of struggles, and it's amazing how deep their faith is. And amazing how deep their trust in God is at a time where I've seen other people walk away. And let me just say this to you. You have a choice in the middle of all these situations, whether it's a physical issue. And we'll pray for other things today. We'll pray for emotional healing. Sometimes that's the bigger healing. I know that sounds crazy for some of you, but it is. A lot of times that's the bigger one. It's the thing you don't see. The fact is, I feel like a lot of us walk around with scars that you never even know are there because you don't know the deeper story and what's happened in our lives. And, you know, you know I have this prosthetic foot, which everybody thinks is such a big deal, and it is. It's not the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Oh, my goodness, no. Even in the accident, my hip shattered, dislocated. That was way worse. But you can't see that. Nobody knows about that. So they look at me and think, oh, that's horrible. Yeah, it is. But, but every one of us are walking around that way, right? The emotional healing sometimes is way, way bigger. As we, as we talk about this, as I was praying about this and thinking about how God heals and when he heals, the story that just kept ringing in my head is, is one that's only found in the Gospel of Luke. And you guys know the history of Luke. As he wrote his Gospel, he went and interviewed all the people that had something to do with the book that he was writing. And what he says in the very beginning, he says, Oh, most excellent Theophilus, I wanted to write to you an account of the faith that you have, a more orderly account. So what he does is he writes these things down. And because he was, he was a, a doctor, probably, he has a lot more stories in there about physical healing. And this is a fascinating story. This story happens, it says, Luke introduces it here in verse 11. He says, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem... You may wonder, why is he continuing on? Because what had happened is Jesus had already said, we need to go to Jerusalem because he knew what was going to happen there. What was going to happen in Jerusalem is what we just celebrated in communion. Jesus was on a mission to save our souls. But he didn't just save our souls. He also saved us. And he healed our bodies along the way. So here's what happens. He reached a border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance. 13, verse 13 says, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Something that you may not think about, because we don't think about leprosy very much anymore. But it was a disease that's very ancient. In fact, they found leprosy actually in some very ancient uh, mummified remains of humans. Some of the, most, the oldest human remains that there are. It's one of the oldest diseases around. Spread by a bacteria through probably coughing and that kind of thing. It's, very, it's related closely to tuberculosis. It's very contagious. But it usually takes a while for it to show um, the effects. It causes nerve damage in, in your skin and your eyes and, your, and your, nasal, your throat and your nasal passages. 
Now, today it's curable, but in their day, it was a death sentence. But it wasn't just a death sentence. Here's what's important to understand before you died, you were pushed out of society, out of your community, out of your family. So not only did you have this disease in your body that started to disfigure you and make you feel less than, but then you were literally rejected by family, and they had to because it was contagious and they didn't know how to stop it. So you literally were pushed out of society. I don't know how many of you know the love language thing, but like for me, I'm, I'm all about words and touch. Those were the two things mostly affected because everywhere you went, you had to shout out unclean because you had to warn everybody to not come near you. So not only were you pushed out of society, out of from everybody you loved, no one could touch you, hug you, comfort you, give you affection, but then you had to push away and then literally say, unclean. You were pushed out, you were ostracized by your own family, by society itself. So outside like that, they are out there screaming, unclean. They're keeping their distance and they call out to Jesus and they say to him, have mercy on us. It's interesting because they knew who Jesus was. They called him by name. In fact, they use a term that only Luke uses. They use the term master there. And Luke uses that term only there. And then also the disciples themselves use that term for Jesus. So it's really interesting. Luke records all of these really special details. And it gives us a little picture into who those people were. You know, we don't know. We don't know if they had previously seen Jesus' ministry. We have no idea. But they knew who he was and they knew it was possible. We started out the day, Pastor Jeremy, and he mentioned healing. You've heard Pam's amazing story of healing. I've told you just two of many healings. What I wonder is, if you see that Jesus today, I don't know about you, but I call out to him about things that are going on in the world, things in my life, things in your lives. And as I call out to him, I feel sometimes like I'm that leper. Because I'm calling out and say, Master, have mercy. Have mercy. The story goes on. He says that he keeps calling them out. I don't know about you, but the reason I say that I think about them is because I feel sometimes like that level of desperation. Do you feel that? Do you ever feel that? Are you feeling that today? Maybe nobody knows. And you've come in here today and you feel desperate inside because you know that something needs to change, that God, you need, you need the master to touch you in a way that changes everything, that heals and changes everything that's possible today because that same master is here today. They were desperate, and I just wonder if you feel desperate that way. And maybe you've never thought about this, but God is a God who cares about the brokenhearted. I can't imagine being more broken than that. In Psalm 34, it says, The Lord hears his people when they call to him for help. He rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. Jesus was on his way to the cross, but he still had time to minister to these people. He looked at them and he said, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Back in that day, the priests were the ones to decide whether someone was clean or unclean. That's in Leviticus chapter 14. A lot of us, they're doing the Bible reading plan together. We just read that a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> what I want to point out today is this. The scripture clearly says, as they went, 
they were cleansed of their leprosy. I want to point something out here. Jesus healed people a lot of different ways. A lot. I don't, do you, have you noticed that? I mean, there were times where he would call people and say, do you think I can do this? Do you believe I can heal you? And in this case, he tells them to go before they're healed. What would you have done? Would you have kind of looked at your fingers, what was left of them, and said, well, should I wait? What would you do? It says they went. So here's what I want to point out. Jesus heals in a lot of different ways. There are times in Scripture he does, some of it sounds crazy. I mean, at one point he he makes mud and puts it on somebody's eyes to heal the blindness. In one case, he says, what do you see? And the person says, well, I kind of see people walking around, but they look like trees. So Jesus prays, touches him again and heals him. In some cases, like the man let down through the roof, he says, your sins are forgiven. And then the, the, the religious rulers question his ability to forgive sins. And Jesus says, oh, do you think I can't forgive? And heals. My point is this. A lot of times we put God in some kind of box where we say, you have to heal me like this. And I want it to be like this. And God has a plan that we sometimes do not understand. But his hand still heals. He does. Let's, let's look at what happens. In their obedience to God, they go and they are healed as they're going. They are healed on the way. I'm going to come back to that in a minute. One of them, when he saw what he was healed, he came back to Jesus shouting, Praise God! And he fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. In the original language, it literally says he throws himself before Jesus' feet. That's what I would do, wouldn't you? I mean, if you look down and you see your body restored and you see this, this disease gone that has separated you from your kids, from your wife, from your husband, from, from your family, from your culture, from everything that you had known, and it's gone. And he comes back and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. Jesus asks, wait, didn't I heal ten, ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And then he said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, I don't know what happened there. I don't know if the other nine were just so excited I'll give them grace because I don't know. Maybe they're just so excited they couldn't wait to run to the priest and then they were going to go find Jesus. We don't know that part. All we know is this man was so overwhelmed in the moment that he couldn't wait to tell Jesus. And then what Jesus says to him is your faith has healed. So some people have said, well, wait a minute, wasn't he already healed? Yes, he was. But what I'm saying is this. There's more to healing than just the physical. I think what had happened in that moment was His faith and his response to Jesus and his gratitude to Jesus and his overwhelming response to that was more than just the physical, but it was also the emotional. And he was telling him, go, your whole life is restored. That's healing. We're going to do our part here today. I'd like the worship team to join me. Shirley Burns talked to me two weeks ago. She knew uh, we were going to be talking about this today, and she shared something with me that I asked her if I could share with you, and she wanted me to share this. Many of you know Shirley and, and Chester. They've been at this church for a long time, 40, 50 years. She's had lupus for a long time. She told me this. She said, they told me I was going to die, and I said, nope, because I know Jesus, and he's going to heal me. And she said that every time they told her something was going to be the end, that God would heal it. Every step, he would heal it. She still actually carries lupus, 
But God has healed her at every point along the way. She told me somebody needs to hear this today. Don't cancel your healing with your broken heart. Because maybe God hasn't done it your way and in your time that you're upset at him or frustrated with him. Don't cancel your healing out. Stay faithful. Trust him. In James, we read, are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing with oil the name of the Lord. Oil is representative of the Holy Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit here. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. You, if you committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. I'm wondering if you have faith to be healed today. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a moment. And uh, we're going to do something a little different. I know that there are those of you pastors and their stat, their fat, the spouses, board spouses, who come to pray. And I'm going to ask you to come and get ready to pray right now. But I'm going to ask this also. If you've, if you've been healing and you feel like you would like to pray for somebody today, I know Pam is here and she wants to pray. We want to pray with you. And I don't want to limit it to physical healing. Physical healing is huge and important. But I want you to come if you want prayer for anything you feel like God is putting on your heart to pray for. I'm going to invite you to come right now for prayer. And as you're coming for prayer, I want to share one other story with you. There was a situation in Jesus' time where a man, man in the crowd spoke up and he said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Whenever the spirit seizes him and throws him violently to the ground, then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth, becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long will I put up with you? He says, Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. And when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child in a violent convulsion, fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouse. Jesus asked how long it had been happened. The father responded, since he was a little boy, have mercy on him and help him, help us if you can. I love this. Jesus says to him, what do you mean if I can? I feel like there may be somebody here that you're saying, God, if you, you could heal me, if you can. And Jesus is actually saying the same thing to you today. What do you mean, if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. Then the Father says something I think is so transparent, so honest, so real, so raw. He says, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You may be here today. And you've been struggling with belief or faith. There may be something that you're just not sure. You know God heals, but you're just struggling still because there's, there's something you're just... I'm going to encourage you to do this. I'm going to encourage you to step out and let God handle the unbelief as you operate in faith. Those lepers, when they walked away to go see the priest, that was an act of faith. For some of you, just coming down here for prayer today will be an act of faith. But I invite you to come as we pray and we'll worship together. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is.
I love that song. It's, it's his breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise to him. We're basically returning to him the breath that he gave us in the first place. I want to encourage you to not stop praying. You are welcome to stay here and pray. If you're home watching and you have a prayer need, feel free to let us know. You can always email prayer at crownpointchurch.com. Remember the point has an E. God, help us. I just pray in the name of Jesus for each one of you. Let me pray over you as we, at least in the service part, but you guys are free to keep praying. God, we are grateful for your hand of healing. God, we're thankful for the reports that are already coming in for people who you are working in their lives now and will continue to do so. Father, I pray for your hand to completely heal. I pray for each one of these situations we've just mentioned. And I pray in the name of Jesus that your hand and your name would be glorified in all of these things. We continue to give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll tell you some reports next week. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. Oh, by the way, our next series is going to be Living in the Spirit. We'll be talking about the Holy Spirit. Some of you have never experienced that. We want you to experience that here. So God bless you. Have a great rest of the week.